0: Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to Emerald City Hockey for the Deep Dive. Sorry. Uh, Seattle Kraken podcast. That's what I'm going for. We're recording a little earlier than normal. Can you tell? Um, got a fun one today as we go over our favorite moments from the Seattle Kraken's second ever season, RJ, and not just yours and my favorite moments, but also moments from everybody. Because last week on the podcast, we gave out the phone number so people could call in, leave a voicemail talking about their favorite moments from the Kraken season. Got some great voicemails we'll play a little bit later on here on the pod, as well as some tweets that we'll read out. But first, RJ, got to just start with some updates, some news and notes uh, involving the Kraken and the organization. And as is pretty usual now, uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds, where we're going to kick things off. They started their Calder Cup final series against the Hershey Bears. They are currently up 2-1 in the series. They won the first two games at Coachella Valley, combined 9 to nothing. RJ. Joey, with the back-to-back shutouts to start off a series. That's how you set a tone, you know?
1: Oh, for sure. First goalie since I believe 1939 to start off a Calder Cup final series with back to back (laughs) shutouts.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, just just a little bit of history there, right? Uh, And then last night uh, the series shifted back to Hershey. Against Game Three, Four, and Five will be in Hershey, and the the Bears were able to pick up Game Three in overtime. But Firebirds doing a great job. I mean, they entered the third period down three to one. We managed to tie it, including a last minute Cameron Hughes goal uh, to tie it, to send it to overtime. Unfortunately, weren't able to get it done from there. But still up in the series two one. Firebirds looking fantastic. So. You know, again, they're they're killing it. Absolutely love to see it for the Kraken organization. And then, RJ, Kraken organization adjacent, we'll say, uh, the broadcasting team over at Root Sports um, got a pretty big honor. Yep, they stay winning in all
1: aspects. And uh, the Root Sports broadcast team for the Kraken was named the number one broadcast in the NHL in the Athletics' annual broadcast rankings I can tell though we're not surprised. Nope. You know, we, we've watched enough of them. No surprise from us in that. Um, and they were ranked number two last season. And I felt like, you know, they, they only could go up from there, really. Yeah. And of course, bringing Edzo on board and, and the change they made this season. I mean, they are clearly the number one broadcast. No other broadcast has that kind of talent, that kind of depth. Uh, it, it's clear. So, congrats to John, JT, Edzo, Allison, uh, Nick Olchek, too. Um, I you know, see. All, Piper, of course. Um, Yeah, Allison got a shout-out in the athletic thing. I I think Piper deserved one, too, as well. Um, And then even behind the scenes, too. I see, like, all the work Scott Malone does. You know, he's not on camera, but he does a lot uh, behind the scenes to make sure all the cool stats, everything that you see on the broadcast is there as well. Um, And, you know, he and Allison work really well together. So congrats to all of them. Mm -hmm. Well-deserved. I would not be surprised to see them just keep that number one spot. For, you know, a long time, as long as they want to stay together. Um, It's just a great broadcast.
0: Yeah, and I do remember them last year being ranked two. And I'm trying to remember, I think it might have even been like, look, they could be number one, but we can't give the new the new kids the the number one spot year one. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it kind of felt like it was coming. But yeah, the addition of, of Eddie Olchek and everything. I mean, it just it just took it to the next level and and it was already so fantastic. So definitely well-deserved from them. And just, you know, further reminders, how lucky everybody is, right? You get those incredible root broadcasts, then you get to come and join us for post-game lives. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Exactly. Right. I think think the athletic stops at the end of the game. That's, that's how that works. Um, Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and uh, deep dive into the, the top moments from this past season, RJ. Um, You and I have each compiled a list of about five moments that will create the, like, ECH top ten, we'll call it. Uh, Figure we'll alternate going back and forth here, RJ. Um, I I think we both tried to stick with a little bit, you know, just moments that we were able to attend. You obviously go into every home game helps out with that a a lot. Uh, (laughs) I'd say so. You get a lot of moments that way. Um, But uh, we both got some good ones here. So uh, do you want to start or should I?
1: Uh, I think, I think you should start. Okay. I've got the, I got the advantage of going to so many more of the games. All right. Here, you should start. I want to hear what you have to say.
0: I was going to say like, everybody let us know like, yeah, RJ went to about like 35 more games than me, but boy, some of these moments I got, uh, on these road trips, pretty good ones that we'll get to, but I'm actually going to start with the fir- the only moment of my top five list that I wasn't there in person for. Okay. Okay. And, and that is. If everybody can remember back, 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 way back to when Shane Wright was still with the Kraken, uh, doing his thing, playing his six minutes a night. (laughs) Um, But the Montreal Canadiens came to town and obviously Montreal had the first overall pick in that draft. Shane Wright expected to go there for a long time. They pivot last minute, take Uri Slavkovsky. And Shane Wright falls to us at four. Very, very fortuitous for Ron Francis and the Kraken there. We all remember the potential death stare. He's gone on the record many times saying that's not what it was, but national media groups won't let it go. So I feel like I have to mention it. Uh, But the bottom line is Montreal coming to town. Shane Wright is there. Hasn't scored a goal yet, but he's come close. And, you know, you mentioned earlier when I brought this up, RJ, we were talking about our list beforehand. You know, everybody there in the building was like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if he scored? Like, that would be so cool. You know, I I remember thinking back then that, look, he's due. He was going to the good areas of the ice, going net front, all that stuff. And sure enough, RJ, first period starts. And not only does he get his first ever career NHL goal, RJ, Shane Wright, He nearly had a hat trick if it wasn't for an insane vintage Jake Allen performance, which is a deep dive (laughs) cut for you and I, RJ. Um, Shane Wright, I mean, it was his best NHL game by far. In my opinion, Uh, getting that goal scoring against Montreal, watching all the Canadians fans on Twitter freak out because of, you know, Shane Wright looks good and he's getting all these chances. And oh, my gosh, what did we do? Um, It was just like that's one that I'm going to remember for a long time just because I was so involved in, you know, doing the scouting reports beforehand. We did the draft night live stream. You and I were freaking out when Shane Wright fell to us. Going to see him at Dev Camp, seeing seeing him sign his contract out there on the ice, and then all through the preseason stuff, just all the stuff with all the Montreal fans coming at us, like it just created this like perfect moment of like, you know what? I've been following this kid's journey to this moment. I think that's really cool. But also, oh, those sweet Montreal Canadian fans' tears, RJ. There's nothing quite like them. There really isn't. <laughs> No, they have a unique taste to them, I think. <laughs> and uh, especially after
1: the, the draft and everything, it felt like that game was where everything really came together uh, for a brief moment in that in the tumultuous season that Shane Wright was having and kind of continued to have, that was the moment where it all happened and all went right. And um, to see him also the the shift was the shift right before or two shifts ago where he, you know, he was robbed on that chance yeah. by Jake Allen and he goes to the bench and he's clearly frustrated. You can, you know, if you lip read, you can hear what he was <laughs> yeah. saying. Right. Uh, and then to go back at it, to stay confident, to go right to the slot uh, and to beat Jake Allen with that shot. It it just felt like a perfect moment. And I can tell you in being in the press box for that game, it was Talked about so much that morning through morning skate, the narrative, right? It was Mm -hmm. the obvious story with this Montreal passing on Shane, Wright, And now he goes to play against the team that passed on him at first. Overall, we were all talking about it. Everybody in the media is like, oh, what if Shane scores tonight? We didn't really think it was going to happen just because you look at the previous games he had played. He didn't get a whole lot of ice time. He was playing kind of conservatively. He was taking short shifts, all Mm -hmm. of that like but but what if right Right. it's the kind of thing that hockey media when we're all together in a room you you just can't ignore it you have to talk about it and then as soon as it happened i I think half of us probably had tweets already drafted ready to go just in case it happened Mm -hmm. and um when you cover a game like that and the story that you're looking for happens especially in the first period it's it's really remarkable
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was a fantastic moment. So of all the moments that, you know, I I couldn't be there for, I mean, there's some good ones. I know you're going to talk about them. I know some people called in about them. Uh, There's, there's one specific moment we got a couple calls about, and it's uh, one that, you know, we've talked about, I think before being one of the bigger moments of the season, but that Shane Wright game, I think it is one because it happened early in the season because he didn't, end up sticking with the Kraken roster for the rest of the year. Uh, I think, you know, maybe it's a-, a little easier to forget about, but it was, boy, in the moment, that was that was really something special there. So I uh, wanted to do it, make sure I got it on my list. Um, oh, go for it well definitely deserves
1: to be there. Now, Dylan, should I go with the the one that a couple people called in about, the kind of the number yeah. one on a lot of people's list? Yeah, or should I, sh- I go with the one that I wasn't there for because I have one of those as well?
0: I think we should go with the one you weren't there for. Let's 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 group them together a little bit.
1: All right. All right, let's do that. So, the one moment on the list where I wasn't there to attend because it was a road game because it was in Sunrise, Florida, mm-hmm. uh was they crack in Panthers game, you know, kind of earlier on in the season. And the notable part of that game for me was you have Justin Schultz going into the corner and just getting absolutely crunched on a on a bad boarding call by yep. the Panthers, Ryan Lomberg. And you know, he's down in the corner, he's hurt. And you know who goes right after Lomberg to defend his teammate? It's Matty Beneers. Yep. It's the rookie. This was one of those kind of, I felt, defining. Calder moment type of things, not necessarily in the scoring or, you know, what you look at him for you with the defensive play, but in showing that toughness to stand up for his teammate, I thought that was huge. And this was in a time of the season where the team was really coming together and seeing kind of what they were all capable of when they were playing together, playing the right way as a group. And this is one of those moments I think that really galvanized the locker room. And you could see it afterwards too. If you watch the video where, Yanni's given the Davy Jones hat out and he's given the speech and, you know, he talks about what Maddie did offensively offensively. He's like, you know, none of that matters. The most important thing of this whole game is that he stood up for his teammates, hands in the hat um, and to big applause from the team and everyone cheering for the rookie. And then Beniers gets the hat. and He said, you know, great effort boys. Way to be a bunch of dogs. (laughs) I'll never forget that. Um, (laughs) I know. It's, it's, it's great. It's, it's so good. Um, And so watching that after the game, that was one of those moments where I just could not help but smile from ear to ear and, and look at, just look at this team. Mm-hmm. They are such a fun team to watch, such a fun team to cover. And they are a team, you yes. know, they stand up for each other. They play like a team and you really saw that going forward through the whole season. But that was one of those first big indicators of how they all, stand up and play for each other uh and you know it starts with maddie Beniers. i think probably the next captain of this team whenever that uh, ends up happening
0: i was just gonna say you know you're talking about yanni handing off the the hat to to maddie bennears from the people's Symbolic. captain to the future captain yeah you know it's very on point um but it was a big deal i mean i remember how fired up everybody was on twitter when it happened and then later on when we did post game live that night after that game i mean it was a huge deal and Yeah. You know, I might have just been like, see, see, he can be captain. Like, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I might have been doing that a little bit, but um, it was a big moment. And I do think that it was one of those moments where we can look back on uh, later on in his career and be like, yeah, that was the moment. Like, you know, some things changed for him or he kind of stepped up and he did become that leader um, because that's something that, you know, not everybody's going to do. Right. Like it's one that a lot of guys, you know, maybe feel the need to do or, or something like that. But the way he went in there with the intensity, he's not a fighter. Uh, I think we can, no. I think that that <laughs> situation made it clear. Right. But it didn't matter. He was going to do that. And you could just tell there was no hesitation. It wasn't like he had to think about it at all. He just came flying in there to stand up for his teammate. And, and that's just awesome. Right. Like who doesn't want to see that? It's just leadership.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's leadership, you know, in the best form. And I love Yanni just pointing out, yeah, you scored the first goal of the game. Doesn't matter. You know, it's the leadership. That's what counts. And also the Kraken had lost to the Panthers about a week earlier, too. Yeah. And you know that win felt good after I think it was like five to one or something. They had lost to them at home to go out on the road,
0: beat them in their
1: building. I I think that made a big difference.
0: Yep, definitely, definitely. All right. So for my next moment, RJ, uh, I'm going to go with one that, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and get this one out of the way because some people might view it as a little bit of a downer, okay but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it out of the way here a little bit and that is being there um for the Krakens first ever postseason you know elimination. Uh, when they lost in game seven to Dallas. And I know this seems like a ridiculous thing to include in a top 10 list. I promise its I'm not just including it because I was there. Um, I'm including it because I think this is going to be a time that we're going to look back on in postseasons ahead. Um, because it is, you know, it's a franchise first as this team has been making a lot of them these last two years. Um, but I thought that it was really telling about the organization as a whole and, and how they handled it. And I thought that that was something that is going to stick with me for a long time when I do think back on this year, being there, seeing from ownership through the front office, through the coaching staff to the players, what being eliminated for the playoffs for the first time meant to them and how they were responding to it and how they were ready to go already for next year. Like, you know what I mean? Being it's one thing for ownership, front office, right, to be like, yeah, let's, you know, we we made it this far, let's let's keep going. It's another thing for the players to kind of have that mentality in the locker room too, right? The the guys who've actually had to like, you know, get beat up for two rounds, <laughs> two game seven series in a row, and all of that stuff. And yes, there was lots of disappointment, particularly from players like a Jordan Eberle, um, but there was also you could tell that there was like a, this wasn't enough from everybody too, right? Philip Grubauer, I very much kind of got that. Matty Beniers, definitely. I know he wasn't, you know, on any of the um, the post-game um, presser stuff that, that anybody did, but I'm telling you, just watching him walking around, that was not a player who was done playing hockey. And you can tell he just wanted to get going for next year. And the energy being that, yeah, it was the fact that it wasn't all just disappointment. It was a celebration of the year that was had by some. It was the hunger for more from everybody else. That's something that I thought was really unique. It none of us really knew what we were going to be walking into, but the fact that that's what we were walking into I think really gave us in the media a lot of energy. I know it did for me anyway. And I just thought that that was a really special thing. And and this idea that, you know what? Yeah, the Kraken, we just had this incredible season, but it's not going to be a fluke. It's not going to be something that is going to be a flash in the pan for this organization. It's something that everyone's going to come back next year. Lessons have been learned now. Guys know what to expect in certain situations. maddie has got a decent amount of postgame games under his belt now um, all of that kind of stuff. And so it's one of those, I know it's a little bit of a bummer moment, but I think it's one that we're all going to remember for a really long time.
1: Yeah. And you saw it in the exit interviews too. I think they carried forward that mindset that yes, it's disappointing. Of course, it always is when you lose in the playoffs, but it's could be the start of something big. And as Jordan Mm -hmm. Eberle said, I, I think, you know, you always get great takeaways from him at any postgame presser, but I think especially after a loss like that. Yeah, I remember as he said at some points a few times earlier in the season, you, you win or you learn. Right. And I think the Kraken learned a lot through that loss to the Dallas Stars, um, throughout that whole playoff experience, really. And it's lessons that you're going to see applied going forward as we get into what really should be the window for this team over the next few years. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I do think that's got to be a a unique experience to be there and to kind of see it all come together emotionally in that moment
0: yeah no it, it was so I know that's when that one's a little more personal and it's it's like I said it's not like a super happy moment but I think that it is one of the bigger moments of this season for them and it's it is one that um over time we'll we'll look back on and, and we'll see and we'll see the lessons that they learned from that that game and that really that series against Dallas I think uh in the post seasons to come so I just thought it, it it deserved to be mentioned and on the list uh but maybe not you know super high and, and, and uh, right. fun No, I,
1: I think it's important that it's there, but to help everyone out, I'm going to try and lighten things up yep, now with yep, my next one. I
0: think we could use it.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go with the dad's trip. Yeah. This was, as a media member, maybe my top one of my top favorite moments of the season. There's a reason it makes this list. Maybe the most fun, as far as just days of coming to work and, and covering the team uh, with all the dads uh, in the room, around everything. I mean you could tell the players were having the best time. They loved having the dads around. I mean, look, the guys are usually happy. They're usually joking around. They're usually having a good time, but this was times 10. And, and mm-hmm. you can imagine with all the dads there and then getting to talk to them. They have the best stories about you know their sons, the players. Um, I. Talking about Jordan Eberle like we just were. His dad was great. He said, you know, he's he's uh, what was the quote he said something about, you know, he's he's learned to play guitar. But the worst part is he's trying to learn to sing. Yeah. You know, he thinks he thinks he's really good at guitar. But the worst part is he's trying to learn to sing, Uh, you know, hearing them, you know, with a little bit of trash talk about the kids. But they are so proud of of what their sons are doing. Um, It was great talking with Craig Geeky about his son, Morgan, his other son, Connor, who's, uh, you know, a prospect with the Arizona coyotes now too. uh, seeing how tight knit that family is and, um, playing call of duty together just, you know, during their off times and everything and hearing about how competitive they are, got the cod stories going. Okay. Um, Morgan had his phone up on his locker room stall. They were all watching. Um, they were all watching their brother, Noah geeky's baseball game, which was going on at that time. Um, you know, it's just great seeing the family element and these, these players, you know, they, they, don't get that far. They don't get to the NHL level without a lot of support from the family. And you, you see that from the dads for sure. Um, definitely hope they do it next season. I imagine they will. Uh, and and hoping for a mom's trip as well. I heard yes. there was maybe a little bit of jealousy there uh, from the moms, from the siblings. Like, hey, how come the dads get a trip and we don't? So hopefully they're able to organize that.
0: Yeah, this was like low-key one of those one of the things that i was like most jealous of you getting to do rj was was getting to be around you. there for all of that all the stories all the trash talk all the everything all the proud papa moments right like it, it's it's everything that you could ask for not just as a media member, but also as a fan. And I think, you know, it's, you know, no, nobody's that surprised, right? Hockey isn't known as the sport with the most personality in it. Um, But it was one of those moments where we were getting glimpses into these players' lives, their pasts and their personalities. And, and uh, cause their, their dad sure brought that out in all of them. And, and so I think whenever that kind of stuff can happen, it's, it's not just fun even you know if you're a media member there it's it's fun for all the fans just because you're getting that glimpse at these players that you root for every other night and that you're going to the arena to see and that you're a fan of i it, I just think it always helps it helps make stronger bonds between the team and the community and I'm always for all that kind of stuff you know right <laughs> big surprise right everybody um but uh yeah I just thought that that was a fantastic trip everything about it was so incredible the stories everything. It was it was awesome. I, uh, it was so cool. Like that's all I could say yeah. is like it was cool.
1: <laughs> we gotta find out when it is next season you, so you can come up for that and and be around because it's it's just such a fun time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or you know, if, if uh, schedule makers listening, right, Kraken organization, whoever's deciding this stuff, you know, just plan it for the SoCal trip, and I can then I can there be you part go. of it there. So you know, make it make it easy uh, on the on the ECH travel budget. Let's make that easy. Uh, <laughs> Um, alright, RJ. So next one I gotta go with. I, I think some people might be surprised. Not that I totally have these numbered anyway, but that, that I'm not gonna save this one for last. And that is okay. speaking of SoCal road trips, RJ. Kraken, I've been waiting for this one. Kraken went to crypto.com arena at some point. They always played pretty good there last last year. Everything was solid. But going in mid-season, not expecting too much, game against the Kings, played the Ducks the night before. Like, you never know what to expect in these situations. Or or not the night before, but a couple days ago. Going in, you never know what to expect. And um, generally, you really don't expect a game to end 9-8 in overtime. (laughs) I feel like of all the things you could reasonably (laughs) expect from a hockey game, that's very, very, very low on the list in today's modern NHL. And yet that's what... um, uh, we retreated to when the Kraken went in there. It's just this insane game. Ten goals combined scored in the second period. It is just a non-stop onslaught of offense. Uh, I mean, the Kraken were feeling it. Martin Jones was you know surprisingly good in net despite the fact that he allowed eight goals uh you chase cal peterson quick comes in doesn't matter on the kings i was just gonna say you chase cal peterson out of the (laughs) nhl forget about the game literally out of the nhl um it just didn't matter but just uh, watching all of the guys you could tell like, it's, it's one thing, and I've talked a lot about the experience being in the press box and trying to cover it on Twitter, right? Like, it's the one game where I take over the Twitter and try to do all that, and of course this happens. The Five Gum with uh, our friend Kate uh, with the Seattle Times. I mean, all of that stuff was, was big, but the thing that I'll focus on here was just the fact that you could tell that, like, the players and the coaching staff... And everybody involved with the organization knew how like weird and special this was. And it was one of those that at the end of the year, I did go back and I watched like the highlights from that. And there are moments where like on the, on the bench, you can just tell everybody's like looking around, just like, is this even happening? Like what's happening? There's elements where it's like, we have to stay in this game, but there's times during like stoppages where they're just like, what? (laughs) Like they're coming out of the game. and They're just like, huh? Huh? What is happening? What's going on? Um, And I just I I think that that's so special. I remember how tired everybody was afterwards when we went into the locker room. Everyone was just trying to find food. That's all I remember. Nobody wanted to bother with us. Nobody wanted to talk with us. They weren't going to do the cool down routine like normal that they do after the game or anything like that. The showers, no, 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 no. It was all just where's the food, where's the food. Remember Adam Larson disappearing, reappearing with two pizza boxes, not really offering to share, just has two pizza boxes for himself <laughs> there. Um, like it's just, it was, it was such a such a wild experience. They they were all happy obviously because they got the 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 winner in overtime there, but it was it was just such a unique experience that I don't think. Um, I'll ever see again. I don't think we'll ever see again, right? Like, I I don't think we'll ever see a 9-8 overtime Kraken game again, RJ. I I feel safe saying that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we could be doing this for a long time and not see a game like that ever again. Uh, It was just wild. And I, I was at my parents' house, I remember, and just thinking of you at the game and what you must be going through and and feeling sorry that i had told you to take over the twitter fully for this one game uh i know doing all the goal tweets is not your favorite thing and i'm like oh well there probably won't be too many of them no 17 yeah have fun with 17 goal tweets to do um and all i was doing through the second period was just trying to look up historical, the highest scoring games ever figure out, okay, are the Kraken on pace? And they were on pace to set the highest scoring game ever through a lot of that game late in the second. It was still on pace for the highest scoring game in NHL history, which was just so exciting. And then I will always remember the post game after that game uh we set a new record for for viewers in the post game people in chat i mean everybody just wanted to come on and talk about that game and it was just like it's so electric in chat with everybody feeling kind of the same thing like did we just see that and getting to experience that with the community uh was just so awesome i i I, then getting to have you hop on be like okay dylan what was that like in person i it might be one of my it's definitely one of my favorite post games ever
0: no it was definitely a good one i mean it Everybody, and, like, I, I get it, right? Like, I had that feeling. Everybody in the community had that feeling. But I'm telling you, the players and the coaching staff had that feeling, too. Like, when Hackstall, we finally get Hackstall after all this, right? And we go out into the hallway under Crypto.com Arena, and he's in front of the little banner that they set up for him. And, uh, it's it, you know, he starts off, and he's got the same Hackstall face. You know the face, RJ, that he starts off all these press conferences with. And someone just starts it off with, I, I, I think um, – so what do you take away from a game like that and he just cracks immediately like he just he just immediately <laughs> starts smiling and laughing just like I like, I don't know like, like there's like what do you even say after something like that happens and so it was just such a fun and light atmosphere um It was it was yeah, it was truly unique. Nothing else was really like that. There was there was other post games and stuff that, you know, you or I were a part of with the team that were big and historical and celebrations. But I don't think that there's anything that's going to match the silliness and just the raw exhaustion and everybody letting their guard down all at once both on the media side and the the players and coaching side that existed after that one I, I think that's special <laughs> including by the way I don't know that I ever told this story but uh when Kate and I had to get down there to to get there for the for the game presser overtime games are hard because you got to stay up in the press bridge really until it ends so that you can make sure you catch everything and then you've got to kind of book it down there because you know the players are wanting to get out of there everybody's tired you know all that kind of stuff so there's always like this kind of frantic rush of all the media members we managed to beat a lot of the Kings people out there to get back and run all the way through the the wonky weird uh make you trip and fall over hallway that crypto.com has up in their press bridge with the leaning wall but the non-leaning but the the angled floor it's a mess I'll, oh my gosh for those who haven't seen the tweets about that it's an absolute mess. We managed to get through all that. Me and Kate were way ahead of all the Kings Media people. We're like, okay, we're doing good. We're doing good. And then we got to sit there and wait for the elevator. And as we wait for the elevator, it starts piling up around us. And then all of a sudden I realized the people piling up around us is like Rob Blake. And all of the king's front office and he's just like looking at me. I'm just looking at him, and then we get into the elevator and we're just like facing each other. We're just he's just looking at me and I'm just looking at him. And he's just gonna ride down in this (laughs) packed elevator, like face to face with Rob Blake. Um, that was that was quite an experience too.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. Uh, His team
0: team just lost one of the coolest games we're ever gonna witness, right? Like (laughs) Yeah, like how do you react? to that
1: i mean i remember the uh the kings kraken game i think earlier in the season the kings kind of had a, a bad loss at a, a climate pledge and i would for whatever reason i always end up on the elevator with with blake and with robitaille and yeah. always mark bergevin because he's i guess around here yeah um and yeah they were you know they, they were none too happy about that one but i can't imagine after the 9-8 game um by the way shout out mark bergevin he's always has yep. great socks he has really cool socks best
0: sock game of anyone up on the press bridge I believe that. I mean he always had like good ties, good good like um different outfits amongst the general managers, like at the drafts and stuff. Like everybody could go dark suit, he's going light suit. You know? Like mm-hmm. I always always like that about Mark Berger. I respect it. Yep. So yeah, that's that's my second moment, that that uh or that my third moment, that that King's game. Live forever. Yeah, I,
1: <laughs> I knew it had to be on the list. If, if for some reason it wasn't, I was going to make you put it on the list. Yep. Um, but glad glad it made it there. All right. So we'll go to my third moment here. And uh, this one was a special one for me kind of being in the building uh, because I think this was the moment where Kraken fans leveled up. Mm-hmm. And I think it was January 25th against the Vancouver Canucks. And the Canucks were supposed to be the Kraken's big rival, you know, before everything got started. It's what we kind of all assumed would happen. Not much to that rivalry up to that point, for sure. Uh, You know, with the Canucks being very one-sided, the Canucks winning every game up to that point. And I think you had a few big moments in this game uh, that really brought the Kraken fans and experience and everything to the next level. Um, And it starts with the chant bruce there it is yeah and there was some controversy we don't know whether it was a canucks fan who started it or a kraken fan who started it as as trolling or whatever it was can't know for sure but one thing that is for certain the entire arena all of climate pledge arena got into that chain and it it's what everybody wanted to hear at that point with Bruce Goudreau and, and the unfortunate uh, situation he was put into by the Canucks and, you know, being treated poorly on the way out and everyone knew he was gone. And so whether it's, you know, trolling from the Kraken fans or even from Canucks fans showing support, you know, for a guy they felt hadn't been treated right. I think really not so much a rivalry moment, but just everybody coming together uh, and and showing that, yeah, Bruce deserves better. And it, it was just, such an awesome moment i was waiting for it to happen during the game and all of a sudden when it started i just immediately pulled my phone out just recorded grinning ear to ear um and and we in the media all up in the press box were just looking at each other like "Uh Uh uh uh-huh (laughs) uh-huh that was awesome but it's the kind of thing too where i think the kraken fans we saw the progression this season and you know starting from basically their first ever game right it takes a little time for a fan base to kind of Get into that full hundred percent, you know, mode, right? Yeah. And um, I think this is the moment where you can point back to and be like, This is the game where they leveled up, mm-hmm. and you saw it continue to progress too through the playoffs, like booing Kale McCarr every time he touched yep. the puck and being on it too. No, like, oh, forgetting or whatever sometimes. Every time, and as soon as he lets go of it, you get quiet. Like yeah. that is some of the best single player booing I've seen in a while. Like Kraken fans were on it in the playoffs and I think it all started here
0: yeah and it's also you know forever right we've whether it's been within the two fan bases or from you know people from looking down from a national perspective us versus Vancouver right rivalries a lot of times are regionally based this is the one that makes the most sense right the two teams they're closest to each other all that kind of stuff and through year one, I mean, it was hard for the Kraken to develop a rivalry with anybody because the year was just so bad, right? It, it just was. <laughs> and, um, and we were talking a long time, right? Rivalries can't happen until both teams have won a game. And then we just couldn't seem to do that against the Canucks. Like, like, we just couldn't ever break through. And, um, yeah, it so it was one of those things where it was like that was that was my first inkling like okay, we actually could have a rivalry with this team. Like this is this kind of thing that rivalries start with, right? When you do like, you know, go after a team based on whatever's going on with them, whatever drama they've got going on and all that kind of stuff. Like that is the kind of stuff that rivalries start and, and begin with and and you can build the bad blood from there and all that kind of stuff. And so it really did feel like that kind of special moment for the Kraken. And then, as you said, the Kraken fan base. And and they did. They carried that forward really through the rest of the year. And I think now would be a good time to drop in our first call, RJ. Um, it's not directly related to your moment, which, of course, is really good. But it's related to another moment and the, um, the way that the fans... Got better over the course of the year, and and got into things, and would start chanting stuff. So, gonna go ahead and play our first call here from um, Dothan, talking about a game against the Ducks.
2: Hey, Domin and RJ, this is Dothan, and wanted to talk about my favorite moment of the season. I thought we could talk about. There's a lot of moments that are, I think, a lot of us are gonna have in common. Um, there were so many great ones towards the end of the season. There was the night we clinched the playoffs. There was. Game four, the Everly Overtime winner against Colorado. There was game six versus Dallas, sending off uh, the the team final home game of the season. But I'm going to focus on one that's um, probably not everybody's going to remember as a highlight, although it's pretty awesome, um, which was the the March 7th Anaheim Ducks game. Uh, I brought my daughter, uh, she's 10 years old at the time, to the game. Uh, She... Uh, Trevor Zegris is her favorite non-Kraken player, uh, so she was excited to, to go get to see him in person and, uh, did get to see the ridiculous Trevor Zegris between the legs goal, uh, but that didn't put them in the lead, thankfully. Uh, but the bit that stuck with me the most was it was getting late in the third, uh, the Kraken were up 4-1 at the time and, uh, Vince Dunn took a, a pretty rough elbow High hit uh, and came up bloodied and uh, was a little bit slow back to the bench. And he was pretty steamed at the refs uh, that the, the high hit was not called. And had some words for the refs on the way back, got back and uh, slammed the stick into the glass when he was on the bench. And the refs called him for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. And the crowd got the loudest. I have ever heard Climate Pledge Arena, uh, and the entire arena just unified into a, a pretty stupendous Refuse Suck chant, uh, and my daughter was pretty visibly impressed that we all kind of, 18,000 plus of us unified into Refuse Suck, um, and she got into it, uh, and afterwards we, we had a good long discussion about, you know, why Vince Dunn was mad, why the refs called the penalty that they did, why the Kraken fans were so upset at the refs, and, you know, how the fans could support the team who were out there, you know, on the ice bleeding, uh, representing us. Uh, and, you know, what appropriate uh, feedback uh, to the refs meant. Uh, and it, you know, it's a sport. It's it's got its rituals. Uh, she <laughs> proceeded to take uh, the refusac chant on the road to a few Thunderbirds games later in the season. Uh, but uh, and you know, I, I thankfully Vince was not seriously hurt on on the play.
0: All right, so I love this call, RJ, for multiple reasons. Uh, one, because we get to talk about Trevor Ziegris. Uh, two, because oh, yeah, two, because it involves, you know, somebody taking their kid to the game and getting to experience all that kind of stuff in person. I mean, you, you know, seeing the between the legs goal, all that kind of stuff. But as you talked about before, right? It's the crowd. And, and Duthan does a good job talking about the crowd and what that meant and everybody getting involved in that, the respect there of everything. And um, I just think that that's one of those special things as we're talking about the, the Kraken fans maybe leveling up this year, Climate Pledge Arena developing an atmosphere that's starting to be respected league wide, not just for being loud, right, but also for, for moments like this. And, and so I think that one just kind of dovetails nicely with the moment uh, you brought up there against the Canucks.
1: I agree. I think this is a great time to go to this call and uh, love the story there from Duthan. These are some of my favorite stories, always talking about kids going to games, getting into the sport, um, seeing everything happen around them. And I remember that moment very well. Vince Dunn was absolutely furious after getting bloodied his face. I mean, you know, he he just had enough. And, you know, I remember him skating over to the penalty box, you know, throwing his helmet in there, uh, you know, and having some more words with the officials and, um, you know, and the fans really getting behind him too and yeah. you know, wanting to protect their guy because, you know, they saw him bloodied on the bench. They yeah. saw everything, you know, that that he had put up with that game. And it wasn't the first, I think there was a missed high stick on him earlier in that game too. And that was kind of just the boiling point for him, mm-hmm. but the fans really getting in there and, and, you know, helping, Defend their guy. Yep. And also, I love uh, Duthan kind of turning it into a, you know, kind of a teaching moment as well, explaining, you know, well, here's what happened. And, you know, here's why the fans yes. were upset. Here's why Dunn was upset at the officials and, you know, explaining that and making sure that, uh, you know, that that your your daughter knows like exactly kind of what, what happened here. Right. Um, and I think that's that's really great from a, a parent perspective. Glad she got to see the Zegras goal. Yes. <laughs> Glad the Zegras goal didn't end up mattering to the game, yes. um, but that was a moment I'll always remember too. Is that Zegras goal? Being able to see my first really awesome Zegras moment in person. Oh, I
0: know, I know. I've been to so many Zegras games, and he never does anything for me. Come on, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it is, and it just I think yeah, uh, it's these are these are good moments just to kind of. Stick together and and celebrate the the Kraken fans and uh, that home atmosphere at Climate Pledge Arena because there isn't anything else like it. Like there just isn't. It's it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So for my next one, RJ, um, you know what? We might start with the call for this one because I'm going to go with the trip out to Arizona. And um, what that meant for the Kraken, obviously the Kraken picking up their 100th point on the season, Jared McCann getting his 40th goal, all that kind of stuff. Um, But I don't know that I could talk about this trip any better than Tom already does with a little poem that he wrote. So let's go (laughs) ahead and and play that for everybody here real quick.
3: Hey, it's Tom. I call this one my favorite game. My favorite game was against the Yotes. April and Tempe, no need for coats. I sent food and beer down like gullet, then made my way over to mullet. The tiny arena was filled with noise. Let's go Kraken, we encouraged the boys. Kraken crew traveled to support their team. Then canner netting 40 led us all to scream. I met Forsland and Dunner, at the press booth chillin', but the real celebrity was our good friend Dylan. The boys got the win, put on quite a showy, and at the end of the game, we all chanted Joey. So in conclusion, for all aforementioned reasons, the Yost game in Tempe was my favorite of the season. Go Kraken!
0: Okay. So that was fantastic. I had such a fun time meeting everybody in Arizona, but Tom, especially like, you know, we met up like multiple times throughout that game, uh, celebrating goals together, all that kind of stuff. I just thought that that was a fantastic, um, poem that you had there tom really appreciate that but it was a really unique game rj and it was one that um you know it i i mean i didn't know how much people outside of mullet arena that night were going to remember anything but the bottom line is it was pretty monumental this was the kraken's first ever 100 point season like that's a pretty significant milestone you hit 100 points you're going to the playoffs generally um and for the team that you know struggled so much the year before for, for that to happen, and it was just one of those, like, you know, yes, we knew we were headed towards the playoffs and everything at that point, it's late in the year, we know what this team is, they've looked good through most of the season, but there is something special about hitting those certain milestones, and 100 points is one of those milestones, and to especially do it after the year that they had before was really, really special. And then on top of it, let's just go ahead and throw on Jared McCann hitting 40 goals, and, and, you know, one of the four, the quietest 40-goal seasons ever in a year in which there was multiple, by the way, uh, from around the league. Um, that one was also just special and just the way that they handled it there and, and everything. And then obviously on my end, being able to meet everybody, being able to be accessible to, to the community members as they're watching the game or walking by on the concourse is something I'll never forget. But, yeah, just for the Kraken as a whole, I, I feel like that was one where it was just – it was fun – the whole team was light and, and having a good time afterwards, right? Uh I hope Ron Francis doesn't mind, but you know, he was scarfing on a big piece of pizza after that locker room. <laughs> Everybody was having a good time. I'll throw that one out there. Um but uh yeah, it was just it was the whole atmosphere around it from before the before puck drop and, and, and on was just happy and light and it was just a celebration of the Kraken season up to that point right the commentators being available right uh john jt edzo uh being there and everything like it 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 was like a nice little celebration for the kraken and then the fact that half the place was kraken fans helped add to it and really sold that (laughs) idea to everybody i think
1: yeah, you could tell from the pictures that it was about half Kraken fans, and it just looked like an awesome environment. Yeah. I remember I was in Vegas because the Kraken were about to go out to Vegas for yeah. a game, and it just made me so eager for it to be my turn in a couple <laughs> days, uh, you know, to to get that Vegas game in. But I could tell from the start that that you were having a blast, that the Kraken fans there were having a blast, and after I forget which game it was, if that was the second or third against the coyotes in that short span of yes. time. Um but it, it also just felt like, you know, like you knew the win was coming yes. and you knew <laughs> it was going to be a great game from the start because of how those earlier games yeah. against the coyotes had gone. And it did really work out that way. And um, you know, to have the team success with the hundred points together with the individual success of, of McCann getting the 40 goals. I mean it really has everything you could want. Um and and what a call I should mention from Tom that goes in our <laughs> yes. Hall of Fame for sure. The poem, the creativity, um, making sure to add the real celebrity was Dylan. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Dylan enjoyed that one. Yeah. Um, I know you felt like a celebrity at that yeah. game. Uh, you know, with all the people coming around to meet you, the awesome community and
0: everything, um, it, it was great. Yeah. No, there was, I think, some jealousy maybe from some other media members and maybe Vince Dunn. Um, you know, there's there's something too, right? Because Vince Dunn was scratched for that game and sat not that far away, and I just remember his face as people are coming up to talk to me, and he's just like, "Who are you?" Because I'm never around, RJ, right? Like, if it was you, he'd probably recognize you, but it's me. (laughs) He's probably never (laughs) even like bothered. I don't know that I had ever done a media scrum with him, to be honest now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I don't, it. So, I don't yeah, think you would have. There's no re- unless he's an ECH fan, there's zero reason for him to know who I am at all. And so to have all these Kraken fans walking up to talk to me, I'm sure was was something for him. Um, on top of the disappointment of not playing that night because that was very evident for him as well. Um, but yeah, it was it was just a fantastic experience. And yeah, I think the fact that you knew you were just playing the Coyotes who had, you you had handled multiple times already uh, probably gave to that light, fun atmosphere that the team all all had and everybody was just there to have a good time but uh yeah everything worked out and it was just it was just a fun experience definitely um my favorite road trip i think from the from this year for sure
1: yeah it's great i, I gotta find a way to make it out to mullet next year <laughs> probably the last year it'll happen um but uh, we, we gotta go to all the Mullet yeah, games next year for, for sure. sure definitely all right so next on my list We've done a lot of regular season moments. I I think I have to get into the playoffs.
0: Yep, And preferably not a loss like mine. Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. I'm not going to go to the playoffs with a loss. Uh, Why would you do that? Uh, But uh, anyway, I will go with a win. And it's personally my favorite win from the playoffs this year. uh, And that is game four against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, the Kraken had some big wins in other you know games. Game three, game six against Dallas in the second round. Game seven against Colorado for sure. That was definitely the player's pick, and we could talk about that later. But game four against the Avs with Jordan Eberle's overtime winner was mm-hmm. absolutely my favorite, and it was just this roller coaster of emotions that. Even though you're up in the press box and you know you you have to be in media mode, you couldn't really escape it, and no one up there really could escape it. I felt like with the Kraken going out to a two nothing lead early, by the way, they're down two one in the series. You know, you Mm -hmm. win game one, you shot Colorado on the road, and then you drop game two, you drop game three at home, and all of a sudden you lose game four at home. And and it looks like the series is over pretty quickly and the defending cup champs are gonna move right along. And, you know, you were just kind of a little speed bump there in the road. You have to do something about it. And you go up to a two nothing lead early in the first period and you score first again. And it was the third game out, you know, many more to come in that series where they'd score first, but you score first again. And then you get a second goal and from Daniel Sprong too. and, And you feel like things are really going for you. But as was the theme in the series, in the second period, you knew you, you probably needed to get a third goal before the Colorado wakes up, because they will wake up, yeah. and they sure did. Uh, the Avs getting a couple goals there in in pretty quick succession in the in the second period. Um, you know, I think less than a minute apart between Lechinen and Achushkin's goal goals for them. Um, no, no, sorry, different. What game? Who who scored the um, who scored the two for Colorado? Was no, it was Ronson and Ron... no Ronson yes. got both. That's yes. right. Yes, it was. Ronsonin. Yeah, it was. Ronsonin. I was thinking of a different game. Ronson and like less than five minutes apart, and especially getting one, you know, toward the end of the period too, that would just felt like a killer, right? Mm-hmm. But so everyone going into that third period, I think, was really nervous. For sure, because Colorado's woken up, you know, a lot of doom and gloom potentially uh, with where the series was going. A lot of people kind of maybe making peace with like, okay, well, you know, they're a tough team and this is what happens. Uh, But the Kraken found a way to stabilize things in the third period, played a really close hard fought period. And then in overtime, you go to the power play. And whenever there's a power play in overtime, everybody's on their feet too. Not a single person in the arena is sitting down, and everyone's just standing up there in anticipation. And the Kraken power play, which
0: I was just going to say, (laughs) not been very good. Even for a Kraken power play, you got to get up in overtime.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, not necessarily a lot of hope given how the power play had done, but I thought the power play actually did a fantastic job. They stepped up when they needed to. They knew it was their chance. And I think Mm -hmm. that was another real sign of just how clutch this Kraken team could be, where, look, three games in, you know, almost four games into the playoffs. That point hadn't really been drilled home to us, I think, at that point, given they were one and two. uh, We weren't sure really what the Kraken team was made of, but I think they made a statement there. And with that Everly overtime winner definitely yeah. the loudest that climate pledge arena had ever been to that point it was amazing to be in the building for that uh and tying up the series just a huge huge pivotal win i i definitely don't think they win the series without getting that game won uh you know in overtime so that was my favorite of the playoff wins and and one where again i'm, I'm pretty good at just keeping all the emotions in check and being in media mode and everything um, you know, and, I, and outwardly, I was still doing that. But man, the feels from that game, I just it gave me shivers.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, how could it not? I remember watching that one, you know, again, waiting on the overtime. You're watching the overtime and it's playoff overtime. So you don't know if you're getting ready to, to sit, you know, c- keep sitting there until one o'clock in the morning or not. Right. And, uh, and and for everything to happen, for it to be ebbs, gets it done and everything like it was just perfect. It was just a perfect moment. And and so definitely jealous of you for, for being able to be in the building for that one. That's, a, that's definitely a good one. I think everybody who was there is going to remember that one for a very, very long time. And it was also, you know, like you said, that was also the moment where it was like, hey, the Kraken could do this. Like they belong here in this series, in the playoffs against the defending Stanley Cup champions. You know what I mean? Like that was that moment Mm -hmm. that I think kind of solidified that feeling in everybody. And then, you know, you go on, you win game five, end up taking it in seven. And, you know, that's obviously a memorable moment from the season. Them winning their first ever playoff series, them knocking off the defending Stanley cup champions. But i really do think game four was that kind of turning point where it was, it wasn't just like, Hey, we're here. It was, we're here and we're, we're here to win. And, and I think that that was really important as well for the Kraken community, it felt like that was where there was like a shift in, in all of our mindsets um, came after that win. And, and so it was a, it was definitely a big deal. Um, I think we can go ahead and play Four Horsemen's call now, talking about uh, those, those home playoff games.
2: Hey, this is Rob, a.k.a. Four Horsemen, calling in. Okay. The is April 22nd. It is the first round of the playoffs against the defending champions, the Colorado Average. It is the first home playoff game in Kraken history.
3: We score the first goal. The ice blue towels are waving in the same. Then we promptly
2: give up three other goals, and it starts to look a little bleak. But then Jamie Alexiak, unlikely hero, scores a goal, making it three to two. Kraken are making a comeback. This is starting to feel good. And then, as they're announcing we scored the goal, the announcer calls out Seattle Kraken goal. And in that moment, Maddie Paniers. First draft pick the Kraken history. The guy we all know and love scores to tie up the game. It's three-three. The place erupts. It is so incredibly loud in this game. The towels are waving everywhere. It doesn't beat that moment. Great game by the Kraken. They fought hard. I'm on the blue clan, so we didn't win the game. That's a minor detail, but it was an awesome moment. Have a good one. That was my Kraken moment of the year.
0: All right. So again, just talking like the electric atmosphere, RJ. I mean, I, I, next year, I gotta be there for a playoff game. I just have to.
1: Oh, for sure. It's a unique experience for sure. And yeah, talking about the game right before that game three against Colorado, where you felt like there was, was some hope at that point too, you know, they're down three, one in the second period, you're like, Oh, is it, is it all, you know, kind of going bad. And then you have the two quick goals, uh, from Alexiak and what a goal for that know. might still stand up as just if if you, you know, just look at how pretty the goal was. That might be the goal of the playoffs for, for the Kraken, oh, yeah. And certainly maybe even the top 10 for the league, a guy like Jamie Alexiak, just walking in using that big reach of his to go around everybody. Yep. I don't think the Avs expected that or really knew what was coming yeah. um and that's you know what started the, the our term up in the press bridge uh you know bobby or lexiak yes. uh you know for our, our buddy darren brown <laughs> and whenever he would try something offensively you know for the rest of the playoffs you like bobby yeah. <laughs> you know is he coming out again um but yeah that goal was awesome and then of course Mattie is getting the tying goal right yeah. after that that was that the high water mark for for sound at climate pledge arena up until the surpassed by the next game with jordan everly but it it just
0: levels it kept going up yeah and you know the the atmosphere for that that game and and everyone knew that it was like history right i mean i remember you 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 walking around outside beforehand and everything then going to the press box uh into the press bridge and everything and i remember just you like texting me and stuff and and it was clear that for everybody who was there the the history that they were seeing, it was not lost on them. Right. And uh, yep. I think, I think that's always cool. You know, you and I are fans of history. That's, that's one of the things that's made our friendship work for a long time and everything. And so um, <laughs> whenever we see moments like that, we're, we're always very, you know, we treat them special cause they are. And, and so again, it was one of those moments again, happy for you to be there and happy for everybody who was able to be there. It's a big, big deal. And uh, yeah, you know, this we're going to see a lot more of them postseason games. at CPA. Yep. first
1: first of many uh, and, and a great way to kick things off, especially with that Plaza party out before yeah. the game. Just the Plaza just being packed full of fans. I remember watching the, the Vegas versus Winnipeg game on the screens outside and you just get to feel like this is a hockey town. Yep. Seattle's ready. They are ready for playoff hockey. They are all in. And, and you really saw that from the fans all night.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Fantastic. Love it, love it. Now for our, our final moments here, RJ. Um, my last one, it, it also involves a road trip for me, but it doesn't involve going to a game, all right? And I am, of course, talking about in January where we had our first ever, like, meetup watch party at, sponsor this podcast, Queen Anne Beer Hall, all right? And I'm not just throwing this <laughs> in here for the sponsorship representation, okay? I'm throwing it in because, you know, look... I'm stuck down here in Southern California. I don't get to see everybody all the time. So to be able to go up there, and this was really the first time I was able to meet a lot of you and meet a lot of people from the ECH community, people that I'd been talking with on the Discord, on Twitter, people who had been reading their comments in post-game lives for a year and a half at that point, but had never had the chance to meet in person. And so to be able to go up there and meet everybody in person was really, really special for me. And then on top of it, we watched that game against Chicago where the Kraken a bunch of goals in the first period the game's like over right away we're just losing our minds at queen Anne beer hall the goal horns going off like crazy in there the music the lights everything is fantastic and uh oh oh and by the way you know the kraken also happened to stri- you know set a, a best road st- um trip and streak ever you know all-time mark like that doesn't hurt either <laughs> Yeah, that was NHL history. And
1: we knew going into the game that they had the chance to do that. Uh, we made that clear, announced yep. that to everyone at the hall. That's what they were going for. And so everyone at the hall was fired up. They knew what was at stake. And then when you have a six goal first period, yeah. I just couldn't believe that was happening. And yeah. especially on the game that we had the watch party, it just worked out so perfectly. Uh, and, you know, I never, ever during a game just give up on Twitter, just like, you know, I, I <laughs> yes. can't do this. I gave up on Twitter yeah. that game. That was the only Kraken game ever where I just gave up tweeting for a while because I just I needed to enjoy that in the moment, enjoy it with everybody. There were too many goals. If I yep. was going to try and just tweet, I would regret it you know, going forward as long as I would think about it, just not enjoying that in the moment. So glad I made that decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter had to suffer there. Um, but just great, great experience, everybody coming out and, and having that watch party. Um, and, and, you know being able to be at that game must've been amazing too. We got this tweet from Mm -hmm. Phoenix Sakura. We were able to attend all the Kraken versus Blackhawks games, the United center in Chicago. So incredible and exciting. And then of course, talking about McCann having his first career hat trick uh, in Mm -hmm. that eight to five game for the franchise record, eighth straight victory. Um, being at United Center must have been pretty fun, too. Different environment. I feel like, you know, everyone in the crowd, maybe less little. on your side, yeah. but, uh, you know, a different a different type of joy, for sure.
0: Oh, definitely. But, uh, yeah, doing that, it was our first real, like, live event, too, that we did that was, like, professional, RJ. We had microphones mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, we had merch to give away. Like, it was, it, was, it was, there was a lot of stuff going on there. But, yeah, just being able to watch the game with. ECH community members with fellow Kraken fans like that is not something that I had ever been able to do before because even all the Kraken games that I've attended RJ even being in Climate Pledge Arena up on the press bridge right you're not really watching with the fans like you don't get that feeling no. of celebrating with everybody and high fives and all that kind of good stuff and so really that's the only time I've ever been able to do that with people and so it was a really special moment for me it is I, I can justify it because they had the road trip and then the road winning streak and all that kind of stuff too as like a memorable <laughs> moment from the season and everything but really it's here because it was just so special for me to be able to see everybody like that and, and do all that kind of stuff it was it was really cool And like I said meeting people that I had been talking to at that point for nearly two years and finally getting to you know put a <laughs> face to the name and shake their hands and give them a hug all that kind of stuff was was really really cool
1: Yeah. And I think it was a good indicator of things to come as well with the beer hall too, because one thing I want to mention, like an honorable mention, but all those playoff road games at the beer hall that I got to be there for um, just fantastic environment i mean they really stepped up come playoff time they know how to do a playoff watch party that's for sure um and that was still one of my favorite moments from the season two definitely earns an honorable mention i just want to like lump all of them together because they were all really great
0: yeah i can't pick just
1: one of those road games
0: (laughs) definitely definitely um all right rj what's what's your final moment here All
1: right, the final moment here, and this is one that was mentioned
0: uh, by multiple
1: calls uh, that we have, um, and that was, of course, Matty Benier's overtime winner against the Washington Capitals, uh, coming off the heels of that 9-8 to game against the Kings uh, that you mentioned earlier. (laughs) Everyone was still riding that high or exhaustion, whatever you want to call it. And the Kraken go into their next game, at home this time against Washington. And I think one of the things that's not really appreciated as much looking back at it, given that that overtime winning goal comes like less than 10 seconds in it's yeah. just immediately off the face off. It's just like, boom, easy. They win. How much of a grind that game was because yeah. the Capitals played such a good game defensively, mm-hmm. their structure, I mean, was as solid as I had seen at any from any team in the regular season in any game at Climate Pledge, um, how well they played in that game. I don't think you can overstate that. But the Kraken persevered through it, and they showed yeah. that even when the other team is playing the absolute best that they can play, the Kraken can just fight through it. And it, you, you saw that happening in the playoffs a lot, too, you know, where they would grind through these games. You had Yanni Gord tying the game with less than three minutes to go uh, to set up that overtime. Um I think it was just really one of those statement banner type games for the Kraken and one that I think maybe even the coaches and people on the team would, would point back to as an important one because look, you get that nine, eight win in LA. Yeah. It's good to win those games. You always want to get the two points. But I think there was a lot of a feeling that like, look, we can't afford to play this way. No. We can't afford to play shinny hockey <laughs> and win lots of games. Right. And that, that was the famous shinny hockey game, yes, it that was. LA game. But you get back into your solid defensive structure game playing the right way. And I know players even after the season pointed back at that game as one that was kind of the model of how they wanted to play. Mm -hmm. Um, So big in that regard, I think really significant there, but the moment of the overtime winning goal, I think that was a a new high for how loud climate pledge arena got. And I know we've mentioned that a few times, but there really were, you know, escalating levels over the course of the season um, where everyone was still fired up from the tying goal. And then uh, you can't, you can't have a better overtime than that. Just going no. straight forward off the face-off. Burakovsky ties up his man. Beniers goes forward uh, and then scores the winner. And and the celebration, too. I remember the guys just rushing off the bench, tackling each other. Um, I mean, it was it was pro- probably my favorite moment to that point at Climate Pledge Arena. Um, it just felt like everything that could go right was going right for this Kraken team. And they, they could not lose. It mm-hmm. really felt like that at that point.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I just remember watching it and it was like, all right, let me settle in for overtime here. And again, you know, it's different than playoff overtime. Talk about right that you you have to settle in and you kind of keep yourself a little contained because you don't know how long you're going to have to maintain and watch. Right. Uh, regular season overtime. Very different. You're just like, all right, three on three, five minutes, then a shootout. Like <laughs> I could just get excited about everything and just puck drops. Matty Beneer is straightforward, straight line basically to the goal, scores the game, scores the winner, we're out of there. And it was just incredible. It was so cool. And that was also, you know, we were – it seemed a little less sur- certain or sure that, you know, he was the definitive Calder, you know, um, trophy kind of guy at that point. Uh, there was there was some competition from other people, right, you know, at that point. And um, that was just one of those where it was like, okay, this is – the the moment this is the highlight real goal that they can show at the nhl awards show for him being a nominee or for being the winner like you know to just put the team on his back when you know just do that like nobody does that you know only great Mm -hmm. players do that and that was him establishing that he's a great player and that was really cool yeah it
1: was a defining moment for him and for for this game too I, i've talked to a few people just around informing in like a top 10 list and thinking about the best moments of the season and this game was where i see kind of the highest discrepancy and how it's ranked versus people who were at that game versus people who were not yeah again it was still a great game for people who yeah. weren't there but i find that it kind of falls in their rankings a little bit but if you were there it's it's top two for sure. Like yeah. everybody I've talked to was there. It's right at the top of their list, and yeah. I think that says something about what the atmosphere was like in the building for that one.
0: Oh, definitely. So let's go ahead and play the two calls we have about that from Virginia and Sean.
2: Hi, this is Virginia from Seattle calling in with my favorite Kraken moment. Um, it would have to be uh, the game where Maddie Beniers, uh won in overtime in seven seconds. I remember we were down that game and it was so exciting when we came back and then just watching him and Berkey just basically like run over whoever it was we were playing and then Maddie scored. It was so exciting and I was so
3: happy to be there.
2: Go cracking. Hi, this is Sean Bellman. And I have to say that though there were some amazing moments during the playoffs, for me, the moment that defined this year and truly started the turn of Seattle becoming a hockey town was on December 1st, 2022, Maddie Beneer's overtime winner against the Capitals. They overcame so much in that game and that amazing moment in that arena blew up and that city came to life in the seventh win in a row for the Seattle Kraken. To me, that's the moment. Thank you.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things like that was a moment that made an impact on people. There's no doubt about it. I think the fact that it is, you know, as Sean said, right. This is the first player picked in franchise history. Uh, This is a player that, you know, I've been talking about as the future captain of this team for a while now, almost a whole year. I've been going on about that RJ. We've talked about other moments with him, bringing him up, you know, with the loss in Dallas and the playoff elimination, you bring him up at other times. He's a special player to this franchise. He's a special player to this community. And for him to to be able to have a moment like that that just galvanizes everybody um, was really, really special and, and definitely one of the top moments from the season, if not the top moment. I, although I feel like postseason moments kind of have to be there.
1: <laughs> right. They, they have to be there, certainly for the regular season, because yeah. I remember making my kind of provisional list at the end of the regular season. It was that was a one. clear number one for yeah. me.
0: Yeah, I I even had it. I wasn't even there. And I was like, yeah, no, that was special. Um, So that's all good stuff. Do we have some other Twitter moments we can we can uh, talk about here, RJ?
1: Yes. So uh, thank you for everyone who replied to our our tweet as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We have uh, from Boltorian talking about the depth being insane. January 7th against Ottawa. Eight goals by eight different Kraken players. And I mean, if, if that doesn't tell you what the Kraken were this season, I mean, you know, nothing, nothing does really. Eight goals by eight different players. I think they had. What was it five or six games where they had at least like seven different goal scorers. Yeah. The depth on the team is just ridiculous. I don't know that we'll ever see that again no. from a Kraken team. And I think certainly as we look back at the season that was, we need to appreciate that because as Ron Francis told me at the, at the end of the season, look, it'll happen to us as far as, you know, being less of a depth built team, having the bigger contracts, it happens to everyone. It'll happen to us. Um, the depth was just something special that you might not see for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. with this team and that Ottawa game that was crazy too it was just yeah not very little defense high scoring I think it was was it uh Tim Stutzla who had the hat trick yes in that game for yes. Ottawa and still lost yeah uh, yeah that's pretty rare you got you have a player with a hat trick and they still lose um but the Kraken managed to get it done with eight different goal scorers um that was great uh Commodore Schmidlap uh, pointing out Ebbs OT game winner in game four I mean just yeah. kind of seconding that um that that's huge incredible um, yeah, Twitter
0: good. name by the way it's a, yeah, a deep no, that, cut reference i don't know if everybody gets it
1: i, I do not but uh I've, i'm for those who, who know i'm sure that is great um
0: i'm not gonna explain uh, it see. so keep going okay fair, fair enough that's fair on, enough. I'll that's go on the cool on people to know I'm, okay i'm cool I'm not is a, cool a very person. loose cool. term here by the way like okay. i don't know that a lot of people would call them I cool
1: people I, I know i'm not cool so maybe i won't go look it up um <laughs> And then, and then finally, from Nico Chan, working slash attending every home game except two, and going to seven away games, making an awesome run of the playoffs, like I predicted last year. So many, but still, my favorite memorable moment this year would be getting a stick from Vince Dunn without having a sign or asking for it, and then he, posting the video there too of Dunn handing the stick over. That's pretty cool.
0: That's awesome. Um,
1: and oh man, and then a list too afterwards. I missed this because it was on a reply. Um, from from Nico Chan still Bjorky coming out of the dog pile in the net uh, in the (laughs) September 26 game against Edmonton I love it a preseason moment moment, highlighted there yep I remember that Uh, Shane Wright's first NHL goal yep remembering that against Montreal Maddie's OT goal Vince's blow up yeah we covered a lot of these clinching a playoff spot you know that clinch game was huge too that, that was a real celebration moment from from everybody in the fan base and i love games like that mm-hmm. um you know where it just it feels like the fans can all come together and celebrate a moment there yeah and then closing it out with with the ebs goal in game six uh or maybe game game four in colorado i mean against colorado so yeah. you know that's that's huge um yes yeah, so many great moments this season and, and thank you for everybody who, who called in uh responded on twitter i mean that is my favorite part of all these shows is hearing everybody else's perspective too cuz you know yeah we have our own way that we've seen the season which is is really kind of unique too like i guess not a whole lot of people are you know necessarily lucky enough to be able to do what we do but we don't get that fan perspective, and I think mm-hmm. in a ways we, we do miss that a lot. And yes. so getting to hear that from everybody, it's the same moments, but just different perspectives, different angles on it. And, and that's really my favorite part of this.
0: It is, yeah. I mean, as as still strange as it is to say, RJ, like it is our job, and so like there is like an element of like you're at work, and so mm-hmm. you know that just changes things. Your mindset is just different. Uh, so yeah, it's it's it is great to be able to hear from everybody, hear those personalized. Uh, Experiences and and the stuff that, that made them unique for all of them and the passion that they have for it and hearing that and everything like it's just it's so much fun. It's it's why we've structured so much of Emerald City Hockey around the community and everything. Cause it is, you know, it is what's so important and it's what makes sports work. And I've done the whole spiel before I won't bore everybody with it this again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And this was, this was a lot of fun to be able to kind of remember the, the, the season that just happened. There were so many great moments. I mean, when in that first round Bjorkstrand in that game, hitting like a thousand posts on top of the two goals he had, like, there's just, there's a lot of stuff that happened this year. And so to be able to kind of remember it all as we kind of, you know, we're getting close to the off season, really kicking into gear with the draft and free agency about two weeks away. Now um, I think this is a lot of fun to, to kind of do this and kind of, you know, bookmark this past season as we kind of start moving towards year three. So thanks everybody so much for participating. Everybody who did thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to Queen Anne Beer Hall for sponsoring the podcast and we will see you all next time. Hey everyone, before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com emeraldcityhockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane, Alex, Andrew, Anonymous, Ben, Brad, Burnt Krem, Kaylin, Chris, Cody, Connor, Coop, Daryl, Denise, DJ Singletone, Duthin, Eli, Elizabeth, Evan, Hibok, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Jay, Jane, Jeremy, Jessica, Joni, Joseph, Josh, Joshua, Katie, Keegan, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, Leanne, Light,
1: Lonnie, Mark, Maya, Michael, Michelle, Noah, Nori, Nunya, Paige, Paul, Rayanne, Rebecca, Sarah, Scott, CA Kraken, Sean B, Sean O, Sergey, Shoeshine, Skeletal Tendency, Steve, Steven, Striatic, Hasty Kobold, Team YMIAT, Tank Commander Ty, Wendy, Strife, and Zane. Thank you so much for making all this possible, we really appreciate your support.